electronic world allows us to do so much and to communicate in such a deeper way than in the past, but it's it's not the same. Like finish line hugs are irreplaceable. It's yeah, I think we've all discovered that. <laughs> Tato, that was Megan Hicks. I'm Matt Raymond. And I'm Eugene Bingham. And this is Dirt Church Radio. Interesting conversations with interesting runners. It's about the time of year where I start getting really, really excited about Kepler and really, really excited about the gear that I will wear to Kepler and most importantly, the pack that I'll carry at Kepler, which is the Ultra Spire Zygos 4. Love it. Yeah, I'll just buy proudly sponsoring Dirt Church Radio, this show. Uh, and yeah, we both wear the Zygos 4. It is the official pack of the Kepler Challenge this year. You can see Matt wearing a photo of it and can, all the yep. pr- material, promotional that's, material. That's how I got um, disqualified right. from this year's race because I just <laughs> wore a photo of the pack and not the pack itself. But <laughs> you can go to ultraspire.nz and check out uh, the Zygos 4, just the most fantastically versatile running vest that you will ever own. It's a delicious pack. Mm. Mm. You know the wild things? Yes. You can use the code DCR2020. It's DCR2020. To get yourself 15 months for the price of 12. And if, Like, that is good maths. It's good maths. And every time that you someone becomes a VIP member for 15 months instead of 12, we get a little bit of... A, a little bit of a, a little bit of a kickback, yeah, uh, into our Patreon account, and uh, another star is born in the sky. That's right. Mm. That's exactly what happens. The mountains just grow a little bit taller. That's right. Everyone's happy. The ganal factor just gets a little the, bit. The ganal factor. So tell on us every about trail what proofs. It, yeah. So they have a trail directory. Yeah. Which is online, and you go there, and it's one of the benefits of being a VIP it is member. One of the benefits of being a VIP member, and um, so the gnarl factor or gnarl factor, as we say, is a measure of how technically demanding or gnarly a run is. The higher the number of gnarl, the gnarlier the run. Simple. <laughs> Apparently, it's not a subjective assessment; it's a peer-reviewed uh, objective it's science. data. Yeah, it is science it's, or science, as they say. Uh, and and the, speaking of science, you can also do geolocation. Yeah, on your phone. So you just use somewhere you go. Where can I run? It'll tell you what's close to you. Yeah, there do we it. go. Yeah. So all the, the, the there's a there's a gnarl factor of sixty plus qualify for goat status, and people can work towards bronze, silver, and gold at platinum goat badges by knocking off these runs. Uh, more importantly, Wild Things is a source of community and engagement and friendship, and we are pleased as punch that they support this show. Indeed. Just quickly, if you go to myspringenergy.co.nz, you will see that they have some more stock in stock. So you can go to myspringenergy.co.nz and get delicious natural sustenance for your runs. Their gels are delicious. If you use the code DCR Spring, you'll get 10% off. How's a banana go? I love it. I had one yesterday. Such I such a convert. You've been converted I had to a banana. speed nut. Still not a fan of the name, but I had a, one without caffeine. And I had it for a run, and it was fantastic. What's the code? And DCR Spring. Done. We go something like further, faster, there in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster, now. Go further, faster, there in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster, now. Dirtchurch Radio. Episode 113 and we have... 
made it. Slightly, slightly bananas. Slightly bananas feel in the air tonight. Yes, there is. It's hot. It's hot. And light. Yep. And uh, the world has... And you see, Auckland is moving to level one. Yep. In, in the world. And by the, almost by the time this podcast comes out. Yeah. 11.59. So, yeah. And the world continues to uh, tip on its ear. Sure does. Unless things remarkably sort of right on the last the next three days. <laughs> next three uh, hours. Yeah. Well, what a, what, what, a, what a trip it's been. But anyway. Sure has. How good was that chat with Phil Roster last week? Oh, I loved it. Yes. Loved it. Really want to get to Old Ghost Old Trail. Yeah, I want to go to the coast. Mm. I've been down the east coast of the South Island. Yeah. But not the west. Haven't you? No. You are in for a treat, my I'm friend. I'm sure I am. Oh, it's it's a magical, magical place. Uh, and magical, magical people, as yeah. Phil said. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Love it. I love that lineup of uh, our west coast. Yeah. Um Guests that so you if, put up last week yeah, on you, Instagram. Yeah, and it's it's a slightly stealing uh, first runs thing. How he he always says LA different, but the coast is different. Mm. And uh, yeah, Josh Commons, uh, Ruth Croft, and you know, like Phil said, second son of the Buller, um, Scotty Stevenson. Yeah, the the, the stories around yep. the coast have Mel Aiken's first. Mel she was on the coast. Year. She was. Made I have a slightly disparaging comments about the coast. I might have done, mm. but I take those back. You've, you've, you've changed. In this episode, I make slightly disparaging comments about Australians, but yeah, that'll come out in the wash. Mm, mm, mm. And we make many slightly disparaging comments about ourselves. True. Yeah. Self-neutering hey, middle-class boobs. That's when I had saved up. <laughs> so we also had so much feedback about the greatest run ever last week. I'm really sorry to those of you who had to stop running while you wiped away tears, but like how powerful was that? Yes, it, it really was. It's mm. one of those ones that kind of sticks in your craw, doesn't it? But if you yeah. haven't listened, you know, go back and give it a whirl. Mm. Yeah, thanks, Amanda, again. And this week, the one and only Megan Hicks. Yeah, what a conversation. Um, yeah. I never thought that, uh, I don't know why I never thought that she'd come back to us, but I'm always pleasantly surprised when someone goes, I've heard of you. And uh, yes, I'd like to come on your show. And it was really cool. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about a greatest run ever. <sighs> Fantastic. Magic. It was spine tingling, wasn't it? Yeah. Who won? Yeah. So hang around for that. She's So she's managing editor of Iron Far and a remarkable athlete and been having a ding-dong battle over the Nolan's <laughs> 14 as FKT. Yeah. I mean, if you're treating it like it's a, a, a Strava segment around your block, you know, and you get an email, uh-oh, uh -oh. Eugene's <laughs> taking the crown, right. Get my shoes on. Yeah. Sort him out. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit different. Yeah. But yep. my goodness. But it's been running over the summer particularly. So if you don't know what the Nolan's 14 is, uh, is you're in for a real treat because she describes it, not only the geography, but the spiritual history as well. And the geology. And the geology. Yeah. Both. Both of those, all of those things. Yeah. But how have you been, man? Yeah. Look, I love summer. I love warm weather. Uh, and I'm really enjoying had some time off. That's really good. The run this weekend was really good. We had a great run. And um, yeah, just actually feeling, uh, still continuing to feel a bit more relaxed about things. So hmm. that's... And a bit of strength work as well. A lot of lot, lot more strength work than I've been doing and consistently for the last yeah. month. And I feel really good. Good. Yeah. That's good. You? Are, you, are you focusing on any particular thing or is it sort of all over training? All over training. So I break it down into pull, push, um, hinge. Drag, carry. Yeah. 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 And just to focus on each of those areas. Yeah. And, and, and switch it up with different in one exercises. Workout. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cool. It's, yeah. It seems to be good for these old bones. So. Yeah. Yeah. You? 
Yeah, I'm good. I just that that run that we had together in the forest on Saturday was magic. Yeah, it was really, really lovely. Yeah, the light was stunning and it was nice and crisp. Yeah, it was um, cold actually. Yeah, <laughs> was, yeah, that was, I was trying to be kind, you know, not trying not to be an Aucklander. It was it was a bit cold, uh, which was nice. It just brought that crispness mm. to the forest, and uh, it was it was beautiful. I was still buzzing about it right now. Still, still even now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, still bumbling along, mixing up some running and some cross-training, you know, some strength work myself and a bit of cycling and getting physio for the Achilles and hips, sorting those out. And I rode for three hours on Sunday with wow. Jim and Tom. Yeah. Yeah, which it's terrific fun hanging out with them. They are like the Muppets. You know, those two old guys at the Muppets constantly at each other, but they Waldorf really love each Stadler. other. Yeah, yeah, that's them. But um, we... How many coffees did you have? Only one, only one. We stopped uh, at the Arataki Visitor Centre at the yep. top of the top of the Waitakere Ranges, just for you know, sort of paying homage um, to the the sign signifying the start of the Hillary Trail. It was, it was a bit of a moment actually, cool. <laughs> sort of all silent and yeah. looking at the trail. Oh. Um, so for those of you who don't know, that's a like a oops, sorry, um, eighty kilometre trail through the wilds of Auckland's west coast uh, that. It's been closed because of Cody dieback mm. um, and slowly opening bits of it. Yeah, no, it, I, it's yeah. going to come together. Yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. How cool was it to get a shout out in the Kepler Challenge you said last week? It would have been cooler if it had been mailed to me in an actual envelope, but it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I feel like we really kind of achieved. Like I actually feel nice. like we achieved something. Yeah, it was really yeah. nice. And yeah. um, so we're going to be there next, this year. Yeah. And um, doing a live show yep. and being around so come see us there if you're there mm. and just yeah really looking forward to getting to Tiano mm. in December because it's yeah. always beautiful it's always beautiful it's a town that like you know like plenty of towns around it needs our support and I'm really looking forward to giving support to Tiano and to that race which is just such a special place in so many people's hearts isn't it yep and yeah. speaking of races and mm. speaking of special people and hearts and also deep cut to the Hillary Trail Lactic oh, yeah. Turkey, uh, their Wild Auckland series has lurched back into action because we're in level one. And so they've got uh, three races coming up, one on the 18th of October. So the the thing behind Wild Auckland is it is races at reserves and, and wilderness that perhaps less... Uh, storied yeah. and other other places although the, i see the one in the middle <laughs> is pretty storied so on the 18th of october there's skandrat maharangi east uh 15th of november uh piha and anafata um there will definitely be some chain action there and 6th of december atu creek um including a 50 kilometer ultra and there's four options there's a 2k kids dash the 7 to 10 kilometer ish tour course the 12 to 15 kilometer-ish discovery course and the 18 to 25 kilometer expedition course and i did one was it last year or yeah, it was it last year been last year i was away somewhere Felt about 100 years ago but yeah. i did one up at tiarai and it was one of the best trail runs we've yeah. done just in terms of how freaking good yeah. sean and maddie make their oh they put they the put on some great runs don't yeah. They? yeah so if you want to win a entry to a wild auckland uh couple of entries actually give a couple of entries away if you want to win a couple of entries to wild auckland you can get us on either instagram or facebook um send us a photo of your best wild auckland um doing wild things photo doing wild things that you can auckland. have in a photo sorry 
just clarify yeah, when I say getting wild in Auckland. You could send those photos to dirtchurchafterhours at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, anyway, but back to the... You know what we mean. Yeah, I do. Uh, and I can't believe you're being so inappropriate on a podcast. But getting back into it... Um, Something in the air, I tell you. It's the heat. The wild Auckland, send us a photo of you doing something cool in the wilds of Auckland and uh, tag us, Dirt Church Radio, and tag Wild Auckland and we'll pick the ones we like the best yeah. and fire out some entries. Yeah. Epic turkey. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Stuff you should know. You know how this year has been sort of like this year. And... Lots for lots of us, of course, listening to this podcast, running and has been so helpful in so many ways, uh, and has helped us get through 2020. And it's okay, I want to say, for you to realize that running is not the only thing you need, by which I mean a lot of people have found it really tough this year for one reason or another. And for some, that has meant illness and, and fear, and for some, it's been an extremely anxious time, and for others, it's been job losses and business crunches and all sorts of things. It's been tough, right? And Matt, you had it really tough at the front line, especially back when it was level four and we didn't know what was going to hit us in Aotearoa. Mm. I remember that was a really scary time. And I have escaped most personally relatively unscathed. You know, we had pay cuts and uncertainty at work back in, back in winter, but it's all now back on track in that regard. And, you know, things are looking a bit more positive. But I was thinking back the other day to when I was made redundant a few years ago. And because I know a lot of people are sort of going through anxiety at the moment and I Mm. thought back then that the answer to dealing with the stress and I guess the rejection that I was feeling at the time was to run my ass off and I set my eyes on a race to really run away the pain and I know that some people will have decided to do that too these past Mm. little whiles notwithstanding the fact that races are hard to come by but I'm just here to say that it's okay to divert away from that path and I reached a point where it became obvious that I couldn't run away from anything and in fact it was detrimental to what I to, to getting better, you know, mm, to feeling mm. better. And so I cancelled the race plans that I had and instead I just ran for the pure of enjoyment, the pure enjoyment of it. And I tell you, it led to the best summer of running I had in a long time. Running was the tonic I needed, it turned out, but just not what I thought it would look like. So, you know, be kind to yourself. Mm. Whatever you're going through, we'll all get there one step at a time, just like we always do, eh? Kekaha. That was beautifully put. And meaningful. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's like it's not about running away from something. It's almost you've got to flip it on its head and run towards it, yeah. which sounds absolutely yeah. a little bit yeah. uh, hysteric, but it's, yeah. it's the truth. Yeah, and sometimes what you need is a distraction of a goal. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to just yeah have a, a release, you know. Yeah, and enjoy. I'll also say in terms of, yeah, like it was busy and it was, it was hard and it was weird and it was frightening, but I think I had it relatively easy to in that I'm always going to have a job. You know, so I'd and and it's that balance, right? It's like what what what, what would I pref- what would be more sure? Yeah, you know, yeah. But which you know, it was it's been a crazy year, it's right? It's Been a crazy couple of years oh. this year. Mm. Um, but races are coming back on the calendar. Uh, you know, uh, we mentioned a couple of there, but yep. uh, also next next weekend. It's a busy weekend. Yep. We got the really a- Abel Tasman Coastal Classic and the Topo Ultra. I know lots of people are really jazzed yep. up about that, and the Three Peaks Mountain Race coming up. Um, mm. Yeah, it's it's, it's huge, and it's, yeah. it's good that it's getting stacked. And uh, this weekend, the um, the Potadour Grand Traverse was on. There was an 18-kilometer mountain run, 
And what's this? This is how so, <laughs> go on how, how like I was looking at the results and I just found this and I was like, how New Zealand is this? It's so New Zealand. An announcement due to the COVID nineteen postponement, the mountain run course must be altered to avoid lambing. <laughs> so, you know, that's what happens. Um, yeah. in down here in Aotearoa. So gotta avoid the lambs, keep away from the lambs. So yeah. um keep them happy. So anyway, the eighteen kilometer race was on a diverted course, but nonetheless it went ahead and Courtney Fitzgibbon of Levin first in one fifty twenty one, Anna Douglas of Waikanae second in one fifty one oh eight, Kimberly Turrell of Wellington one fifty two forty. And in the men it was Nicholas Cox in first from Wellington in one eighteen twenty eight Lawrence. Pitcock uh, of Potadua in 125.07, and third was AJ Shaw in Wellington in 130.52. Yeah. Hey, shout out to Camille Heron. Yeah. Yeah. It, she put it on the line, really. She did. She yeah. absolutely put it on the line. We were talking about this when we were running the other yeah. day, and you know, you were talking about the world 48-hour record, which sounds ridiculous, mm. um, and she was aiming to beat the great Yanis Gouris' record yep. and run between 270 and 290 miles, which is a long way. And she was tracking along, but, uh, I mean, what did she say? She had an issue with structural and body mechanic issues, which they tried to sort out with the change of shoes and massage, but it was a no-go. Mm. Oh, man, how far did she go? Uh, look, I'm not sure off the top of my head. She'd gone at least 100K, Jeez. Um, but I'm not sure... Sorry, ill-prepared, ill-prepared. But she'll be back for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh. I mean, banging through, and <laughs> the FKT-a-thon continues. Amy Proston went and grabbed the fastest known time on the Jordan Trail, which was previously previously held by Robbie Britton and Dan Lawson. We had Robbie Britton on a few episodes ago. So she ran it in eight days, nine hours, and 28 minutes, and it's about 650 kilometers, and the previous FKT was nine days and 10 hours. So she... she Knocked the pants off that. Yeah. Uh, she really smashed that. Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of um, FKTs, and we sort of obliquely referred to this earlier, but, you know, coming up, we've got that interview with Megan Hicks, mm. and she'd taken the Nolan's 14 record off Sabrina Stanley, uh, and it had previously been Megan's, and Sabrina took it. Well, and then Megan had it back, and guess what happened at the weekend? I got this email today from you, and I, I thought you were joking, but Sabrina's gone and taken it back. Yeah. Uh, 48 hours. So between Friday when we spoke to Megan yep. and now, which is like Monday, uh, 48 hours and 49 minutes. Yeah. Your move, Hicks. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Greatest, Greatest run, run ever. ever. Greatest run ever. Greatest run ever, which is the part of the show where we ask you to write in to us and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit. It might just be a run around the block, something that's sung to you for some reason. You can send it in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. And this is from Mike Field. All right, here it is, my greatest run ever. After listening to so many fantastic stories over the past couple of years, it's my turn to write in. Oh, and he says also, and I think this is quite disparaging, I'm up in Riverhead in a couple of weeks and I'm terrified of meeting you for the first time and getting a violent reaction from one of you after saying I keep meaning to write in. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know where you got to that idea. disabuse you of that notion, but it's Eugene who's the violent <laughs> one. Like so many of your other contributors, I found it really hard to choose but just one, but I think I'll talk about that time I ran Comrades back in 2017. Unbelievable. It was a totally magic trip all round. My wife Julia and I flew to Durban and spent a week drinking lots of South African beer and wine, eating enormous steaks, putting on too much weight and doing some freaking amazing tourist experiences. I went diving without a cage with reef, raggies, I don't know what that is, reef, raggies, bull and tiger sharks. They're all different types of sharks. Right. Okay. 
Thanks. Uh, oh, yeah. Makes sense. Uh, we were chased by a huge bull elephant shark while on safari. Um, an actual elephant. An actual elephant, yeah. So we were chased by a huge bull elephant while on safari and our tour guide driving furiously backwards down the road mm. while this enormous animal kept charging towards us. I have a video of it and the sounds of swearing in four different languages <laughs> from all of the terrified tourists in the minibus with us. I have another video of me swearing while on a different safari with just the two of us in a rental car while a pride of young male lions surrounded the car. The video shows one lion standing with his front paws on the bonnet of the car, gouging huge claw marks in the paint while another bites right through the front tire over the sound of this as the tire is ruptured all you can hear is me swearing my head off but to the race uh, south africa sounds hectic um to the race the comrades is the oldest ultra marathon in the world and it's huge the year i ran it there were about sixteen thousand entrants 87 kilometers through the hot african sun seven thousand feet of vert from durban to peter maritzburg and we even ran through an area called the valley of a thousand hills and sounds like they ran up all of them. I've been lucky enough to have been involved in some pretty emotional starts to a race, but nothing beats comrades for pure emotion. Julia and I had, heard the wor- had learned the words to Shosalosa, a hauntingly beautiful African mining song, which is sung at the start of the race by thousands of competitors and spectators. By the time we got through the South African national anthem, Shosalosa and then chariots of fire, shivers were running down my spine and tears were pouring down my face. I was pretty embarrassed by the depth of my emotion until I saw that most people around me were crying too. After the rooster crowed, we were off, except that it took more than six minutes for me to even get to the start line. I was keen to get onto the sub-10 bus as soon as I could. A specific pace group is known as a bus, and my bus driver was called Coach Linda. His job was to get us to the finish line in a sub-10 hour time, and it took about 15 kilometres before I could reach him, as it was impossible to pass anyone for the first five kilometres or so. But eventually, I caught up with him and his 200 passengers. Wow! Mm-hmm. It's a huge it's a bus. bus. Yeah. It was hugely helpful running up Fields Hill with 200 other people chanting ho in unison with every fourth step. There were lots of singing and dancing, tambourines, banter, laughter, and support from the rest of the passengers. Great fun, until I dropped off the back up one of the interminable hills, sweltering under the hot sun. Coach Linda didn't believe in slowing down for hills. Along most of the route, there were thousands of spectators, bands, supporters, the whole place just went off. Throughout the race, I heard lots of people calling out, Go Mark! And I kept looking around for someone called Mark. We all had our names on our bibs in big letters, which is fantastic. It took me hours before I realised that people were actually saying, Go Mike! in a <laughs> In a South African accent. We go, Mike. We had booked Julia in a tour with a tour company, so she went in an air-conditioned comfort with a load of Aussies, Kiwis, and American supporters, had champagne and braai breakfast, and met us twice around the course. I remember distinctly coming in exhausted with 18 kilometres to go, seeing her with her big, beautiful, beaming smile and feeling a huge lift. Fortified with South African wine, she had organised and energised all the supporters on the bus into calling out the names and encouraging everyone involved with great joy and exuberance. I will always remember coming into the stadium as one of the highlights of my life. 100,000 screaming fans and an enormous screen with a video of me running in holding the New Zealand flag while the commentator called out, Go Kiwi! Go the All Blacks! Go Mark! The race was filled... The race was, sorry, the race was bookended with me crying like a baby at both the start and finish while my gorgeous wife had number one supporter looked after me. The more raw emotion, 
then more raw emotion a couple of hours later at the finish of the race when an official walked to the finish line, turned his back on the finishing chute, looked at his watch, waited to fire the gun at exactly 12 hours, the mad scramble as exhausted runners stumbled and sprinted down the finish chute to make it on time, the unbelievable pathos and heartbreak as the gun went off and the security guys walked across the finish line and barred anyone else from crossing, and the complete despair of those who collapsed with just metres to go without making it. Next year is the centenary year, 100 years of comrades. They're opening the event to 34,000 runners. Oh, man. Yeah, and he says, man, I hope it goes ahead. Hashtag COVID, you dick. Yeah. Yeah. See you in Riverhead in a couple of weeks, Mike Field. I mean, have you seen, for those who haven't seen the finish line of comrades, uh, have you seen it? Yeah. It's not walk along. Those guys run out and basically tackle anyone who comes along there. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, I mean, of hearing Shosalosa and hearing that start in the, in the rooster and everything, I can imagine the mm. emotion just must be extraordinary. Um, Mike did send us an amendment to, in addition to his uh, greatest run ever, which we'll put on the online as well. Um, so you can read a bit more about his amazing trip over there. Very jealous. Very, Very jealous. jealous. And don't forget the rest of you send in your greatest runs ever. Seriously. Yeah, he's got quite a temper, Eugene. Yeah. So right, on to our show. Megan Hicks, uh, the managing editor of the amazing Iron Far. Until uh, this weekend, uh, the holder of a new woman-supported FKT on the Nolans 14 line, which is a link-up of two trailheads and 14 mountains taller than 14,000 feet in Colorado's Sawatch Range, which is 94.5 miles long, what, there or thereabouts. Sometimes people run it a bit longer. Hey, yeah. And roughly 45,000 feet of climb, uh, and you have to do it in... Under 60 hours. Yep. But she said the, the the previous held FKT of 50 hours and 32 minutes. Um, Megan's won the Marathon de Sable. She's an author of Where the uh, Road Ends, which is a guide to trail running. And she's one of the few Americans who's completed the Bob Graham round. Um, geologist, undergraduate degree yes. geologist. What else? A fantastic human being. Um, this is a, a, a quite a deliciously warm conversation. And uh, yeah, Megan Hicks. Ditches Radio. On the line from Silverton, Colorado, home of the Hard Rock 100, uh, is Megan Hicks. Kia ora, Megan. How are you doing? Hi, Matt. Hi, Eugene. Hi, everybody on the other side of the earth. Yes. <laughs> and it's never felt further away. <laughs> I feel that these things bring us closer, but also show how far apart we are. Like, uh, it's a different day where you are than from where I am. Mm. It's always one of the the major things that I don't think we, uh, well, I certainly didn't play in to when we started this is, the, is, is, is figuring out time zones. <laughs> and, um, and for a while there, we were better at actually organizing uh, interviews on the other hemisphere because we were doing it so much. <laughs> like, Excellent. We could tell you whatever time zone we were in. But um, <laughs> I mean, how are you going at the moment? Just generally, how are things going? Well, um, I mean, the COVID-19 pandemic continues in the United States as it does all around the world. Um, the state of Colorado is roughly open to most types of activities and travel and work um, with pretty much the same types of restrictions and social distancing uh, care that most of us are practicing. It's a, I mean, I'm not going to lie, 2020 is a challenging year. I don't know what you guys think about it. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I'm about done. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I hate to tell you this, but the year's not done with you. <laughs> no. That's <laughs> just been a, a dumpster shot. fire, hasn't it? The whole thing. <laughs> I wonder where you got that quote. <laughs> well, we'd call it a wheelie bin fire here, but it's yeah. the same. It's the same. But, but we speak dumpster fire too. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll I actually had that sense of it, it was October. I mean, it, it must it must be the first of October where you are. Uh, it was it, yeah. I just looked at my watch yesterday. Went, it's October. I can't even remember what happened in like I I remember March a little bit. I remember Eugene and I we we uh, tail and Charlie to race, and then I don't. It's been a bit of a blur. That's right. I yeah. feel the exact same way. I mean, I, I really feel like starting the day by confirming your name is about yeah. as best as we can do daily. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's weird. So, did you ever see that film Memento and the dude was writing on the mirror because he had no short-term memory? <laughs> yeah. Or or the movie Groundhog's Day where it's just on yeah. repeat day after day. Yeah. It is, it is weird though, sort of s- simultaneously kind of, oh, how is it October? And oh my God, it's October. It's it's a weird kind of thing, but there you go. Absolutely. But you, I mean, you've had a lot on. Um, you uh, set the fastest known time on the Nolan's 14ers. If that's how I say it, is it the Nolan's round or Nolan's 14ers or? Yeah. I mean, you can say it. There's, I don't think there's any official term for it. Is it the Nolan's 14 line? Is it the Nolan's 14 route? Um, so I think you can say it as you wish. Yeah. I mean, um, with COVID-19, my job as a, you know, an internationally traveling hmm. trail running and ultra running reporter was put on hold. And so, uh, and we were all encouraged to, you know, stay local and only travel local. And yeah, so I tried to put my summer to as best a personal use as possible by, yeah, spending time in local mountains and going after that FKT. Wow. I mean, how, in terms of, I mean, it must have been such an adjustment because if, if, say, life, you know, were in its sweet uh, bygone normalcy, I mean, what, what? What do your summers look like? <laughs> yeah, so I run far covers 10 or 12 globally competitive trail races or ultra marathons around the world. And usually seven or eight of them are out of the country, out of the U.S. where I live. And so um, usually from May through about now, you know, we're gone um, on the road somewhere around the world for one or two weeks a month. Wow. And of, of course, all of those races have been canceled. Tr- you know, international travels, super unrecommended and was disallowed for a while. Um, so here we are um, just having a Colorado summer. This is the, I think the first time I've stayed at home all summer since 2011 when we first started covering races live. <laughs> wow. And it, it, I, I mean, it's it's really it's been such a um, I guess Iron Fire such an institution now. I remember the you know if if you'd have said you know ten years ago, twelve years ago, thirteen years ago, I you know follow an ultra marathon via Twitter updates, uh, you'd have sort of <laughs> shaken your head. But just how engaging it is, you know. I think Eugene and I have both uh, been guilty of, of of mashing the refresh button. Hey, Eugene. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, so I mean, I mean sorry Matt go no you go Eugene I was gonna say so the the I mean how, how do you describe I run far because it, it's so much more than just a source of information and news oh um 
well, how do you describe it? We we, community, we like really? to think of it as yeah, I mean, we try to um, operate as an online magazine with multiple prongs to it. Like we want to have daily editorial coming out that's, you know, uh, brought to the community by by the community itself. So we have about 15 contributors who are helping us put out our daily content. Um, we typically cover races around the world once per month, and we try to seek out the stories or the races with the, the the deepest competition and therefore hopefully the deepest stories. And then finally, we just want to be a place for people to gather around and to converse in the comments section and to kind of banter back and forth, similarly to how you would with your friends out on the trail. Mm. I think that's one of the most noticeable parts of it is, or there's two, is A, the quality. So there's so much, I think, in running media um, uh, with... <sighs> Because it, it feels like there's, it, it's still very a young, it's not like cycling media, which has been going for decades and decades and decades, you know, especially with ultra running. But the quality of the writing is so good, so engaging. And also, it's such a point, like, in all your posts, it's always like, so tell us what you think. What have you? There's always a question posed to me, the reader, which I find really engaging. And even if you don't engage with the community, it certainly plants something to think about. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible thing. Oh, I, I really appreciate you saying that. I didn't know I was hanging out with my professional complimenters today, but thank uh-huh, you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, we're going to, like, yeah, it's, it's just our... Um, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. <laughs> but, but this is the thing, though, right? I mean, it's and it's hard to take validation. I, I don't know if you find it as uncomfortable as we do as, 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 as New Zealanders. Um, it is. It's a thing that's sort of much more bigger than the sum of its parts, hey? I... Yeah, I really appreciate that. That's like really goes straight to the straight to the the heart. That's that's what we try to do, but you never you never know what you actually accomplish what ends up on the other end. <laughs> yeah. What what about the whole I mean you you mentioned you guys get around to races and 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 as sort of you know connecting with athletes and and friends all around the world and and this year must have been extremely tough for you in that regard just sort of missing out on catching up with all those people. Yeah, honestly, like we are kind of on the move a lot in the in the heart of race coverage season, and um, it you grow tired. Like t- uh, it's it can be exhausting traveling from race to race. And so w- when the pandemic first started, and we realized there was going to be no seeing, no traveling to races all year, my first thought was like oh, I'm getting, I'm getting kind of a temporary sabbatical, like sort of that thing that mm. many, many adults sort of like love and thrive. And it, you know, it really helps them transition between the first part and the second part of their careers. And I at first was looking at it like, oh, this will be a breath of fresh air. But I feel like now I'm at the point where I've really started to miss our people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the electronic world allows us to do so much and to communicate in such a deeper way than in the past, but it's, it's not the same. Like finish line hugs are irreplaceable. It's yeah. I think we've all discovered that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You can only do so much on, on social media and, and emails and things, can't you? And zoom and video chats and things. It's yeah. Finish line. That's, that's a great quote. Can we just now with, Sorry, you go, Eugene. No, no, go. This is all. I, I guess what we're seeing now is is the um, 
as as we're adapting to that and 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 you've seen you know we can't all come together and do organized races so you're seeing the virtual races happen but you're also you know and one of the things we wanted to talk to you about is the fastest known time sort of phenomena it's really really it, it seemed like over the northern summer it really really kicked off i mean can you i mean what do you think's making it so? Sorry, my dog is barking and distracting me. We can cut this out of the interview. Hang on, I, I need to go and shut him up. Amazing. Rigby always makes a little cameo appearance in in Dirt Church Radio. He knows when we're when we're recording, and he makes sure that he he makes sorry. himself heard. He comes up with some quite good questions though. Yeah. <laughs> Have I'm him ask so a question. sorry. Oh, he's he's Australian. Quite, so quite difficult. Just, Quite, quite difficult he's translating his questions. He's Australian. <laughs> he is. He's Australian. He's an Australian cattle dog. So he, he, you know, think of your favourite Australian, and then all the Australian qualities of that, and then like pour it into an animal, and and that's what he's like. like. I'm laughing so hard right now. Is this? Do you try to get the Aussie dig in in every podcast? Um, that was love. I will, that was love. I, I'll use that on the trail. I will use that on the trail if he's being important. I'm so sorry, Australian people kind of laugh. Yeah. Amazing. So sorry, recouping, recapping. Um, oh God, where were we? All right, I'm going to um, take it, Matt. Here we go. So we want to nerd out about your Nolan's FKT sort of, and starting with the history, really. So was it initially 2016 when you had your first FKT on the Nolan's? What initially set your mind to them? I think the Sawatch range captured my brain a little bit when I was in college. Um, I majored in geology and uh, we did these summer uh, field trips to go Mm -hmm. see interesting geology in action. And one of the destinations one year was the Sawatch range because it's a, it's like as quintessential example of like, Western North America, Rocky Mountain uplift, as you can see, it creates, the mountains create this skyline that extends for over 100 miles north to south with deep valleys on both sides. It's just, um, it feels, looks, and is geology in action. And Mm. so I went there in college, was captivated by the skyline and then drawn back little by little once I became a trail runner and ultra runner. I do have to uh, thank Anna Frost, who comes from your neck mm. of the world, for uh, reigniting or like really generating interest in me in the Nolan's line because she started wrecking it in, I believe, 2014 or 2013, and she attempted and successfully finished in 2015. And at some point in there, uh, a friend drew me over to spend time with her and learned about the Nolan's line and really got into it because of time spent with her there. Wow. And so, I mean, how do you, I mean, in a race, you know, you've got the motivation of those around you and crowds, like you said, remember those things, crowds. I mean, how did you start to, how, how do you motivate yourself to undertake a fastest known time? <laughs> um, I think what motivates people to do these things, and I'm going to be really curious to see what happens 
once we go to Southern Hemisphere summer to see what happens with all of you and um, also like South America, see if the phenomenon continues. But I think there's at, at least among the people I'm interacting with here in North America and Western Europe, there's a lot of different motivations. There's, you know, people who are really like, wanting to compete you know they're missing that racing atmosphere and fastest known times um, because you're competing you're not competing outright with somebody mm. in the moment but you're competing with like the ghosts of people past and the ghosts of people to come uh, it allows you to you know chase competition I think a lot of people are also doing fastest known times because they represent like a big challenge like a you know, like a hundred mile race is a big challenge for anybody. So coming up with like some big thing that you then, you know, focus your training and planning toward, like that just gives us an outlet. And uh. I know a lot of people are doing fastest known times because of like, we just need time in nature. Like uh. 2020 is hard in so many ways and having something that's getting you out of the house and getting you into the trees or up on the hills I think a lot of us like really need that right now. Mm. And I would say I'm, I'm driven by all three of those things to some extent. I mean, it's, it's all of that. Mm. And you talked about that connection. You talked about, you know, you said ghosts and, and certainly you're, you're, you know, you're competing against the people who came before, came before you. Um, in your race report, you dedicated each peak to a particular person or, or people, and and you started the first one, which I thought was really beautiful with you with your mum. I mean, do you mind sort of telling us about your mum and why you wanted to dedicate that first mountain to her? Yeah, my mum is awesome. She's um, seventy five years old now. She'll probably get mad at me for um, sharing her age <laughs> with you, but she's a you know she gets out and walks her miles. Um, every day she's never been like a athlete athlete like if you wanted to define that she'd say no way but she's been a go-getter and an outdoors woman and a just a really physical human being for all of my life so she really taught me from a young age about enjoying your time outside and just sort of being like a like a like a doer you know rather than a beer like be a doer mm -hmm. um and she lost her husband, my dad, after almost 40 years of marriage. Um, 15 years ago, they were high school sweethearts and got married, you know, right as young folks. And so she's had to create a whole second life for herself, um, you know, after having her basically her entire life built around her husband and my dad. And, and it's like that's one of the hardest things to watch your mom have to do, but it yeah. has really taught me, you know, you get a lot of lessons in ultra running about determination and resilience, but I mean, she's taught me the most about being resilient and staying determined about uh, mm. creating a path that's healthy for you. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I really thought about my mom going up the first peak Mount Chavano, but I, I thought about her a lot out there. I think about mm. her, Almost every time I'm doing something I consider difficult. Um, and it really does put it into perspective, isn't it? It's it's that sense of, yeah, and you see, you know, and certainly I, I, it, it resonates through to my grandmother, same thing. You know, you've got this period of time, it's it's a second part or it's a second act of your life or a third act of your life. And, and it's multifaceted, but how you choose to make the best of that time or 
but just to get through that time, it's it's really it is very inspiring. Yeah, one hundred percent. And difficult, right? Like, oh, my left leg's gone, <laughs> or whatever. You know, that sense of this person's just not there. Um, but one of the things also that really picked up to us um, was you talked about, you know, the second peak. Um, you dedicated it to the people of the land, and that's we'd call it here the Tangata Finua or Mana Finua. Um, it's really, mm. really, you know, it's really important uh, in terms of our tradition, especially the you know the indigenous tradition here, the Maori tradition. It seems like it's so important as trail runners that we acknowledge the people of the land and the people who came before us. But I, I, you're one of the first people that I've really heard talk about that. Um, yeah, I think that is a movement that is slowly gaining speed and momentum here in North America. And I think um, we as North Americans are decades maybe centuries behind you um for example down in new zealand you you have been um so much more connected to um yeah like how to connect people of the present with people of the past to the lands that we're experiencing i I do feel like that's a reckoning or a connection Mm -hmm. that's much more deep in, in my brief experiences visiting your country as compared to where I come from, I honestly can't believe that I have known the Sawatch range of Colorado for as long as I have known without taking the time to learn who was there originally. Um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's kind of embarrassing that, that, you know, here we are, like here I am more than a decade two decades on and knowing this range and I'm just now learning the story. But um, I think this is a place that a lot of outdoor enthusiasts in North America are in right now of Mm. really realizing the gap, um, Mm. the lack of connection between past and present and wanting to learn. So Mm. I, yeah, I'm, I'm enthused by it. It gives me a huge amount of energy I know we have uh, some definite reparations to make to the people who've come before us, and it's yeah, the journey's just starting. But you've but you've started that journey, and that's the important mm. thing. That's the important thing is that you've started that journey, and you're and you're learning and acknowledging. And as Matt said, we were so taken by how you acknowledged the people of the land in that in that piece, and it's something you don't see very often. So, thank you. It's it's such such a great thing to have done. Can you tell us a little bit about the people of that place in their story? Yeah, so the Ute uh, Indian tribe is a is a massive tribe. Mm. Um, historically and in the modern world, they occupied um, great land sloths throughout what's now called the Colorado Plateau and the the Rocky Mountain region where the Sawatch Range is. Um, And they had a large tribe of people with, um, I think, dozens. I don't want to misspeak, um, but I think dozens of bands that uh, at times lived fairly separate with each other and at other times of the year uh, overlapped and met for trade and... um, yeah, farming and just other other like integrated experiences, as is the case in much of the 
United States uh, reservations were set aside somewhere around like 120, 130, 140 years ago throughout the West, where the U.S. government uh, signed treaties with different uh, Indian tribes to give them land. And so the Ute tribe has several different uh, reservations in the West. Um, one that most of uh, the yeah, they kind of divide themselves into the Northern Ute and the Southern Ute. And mm-hmm. most of the Northern Ute went to one reservation and most of the others, most of the Southern Ute went to another. And so they're both not, both of those reservations are not even close to the Sawatch Range today, but are in uh, what used to be, you know, what were originally Ute lands. Mm. Yeah, those stories are, are so important to know, aren't they? And and they they form part of you know we we often as trail runners talk about our connection to nature, but that's another important connection, isn't it? And to know those stories mm. helps inform you and 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 it just adds to the experience. I think one of the uh, interesting mind switches that I've had this year is um, often if I'm let's say I'm not on a on a really popular trail, let's say I'm kind of wandering off trail, you'll often pick up just random trails in the forest or ridge lines. My brain has previously categorized those as like wild animal trails. Well, this must be where wildcats walk or where elk roam or, you know, some other herd animal. Well, I'm learning that a lot of those trails that the animals now roam were trails that the natives originally set for, mm-hmm. you know, go, going up to a lake or going up to go hunting. And yeah, the, uh, I ha- resetting my brain to the thought that, well, this is a game trail now, but what was it 200 years ago? What yeah. was it 300 years ago? There's, there's, it's so much deeper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Remarkable. It, I mean, it is, it's, 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 it's frankly remarkable, isn't it? I, I have trouble conceptualizing just the size of the land that you come from. You know, and you talk about those reservations. You talk about the Sawatch Range. You talk about all those things, and just the the just the the, the sheer vastness of the place is something that really, um, something that really I yeah I can't if you if you took Aotearoa on a map and put it into uh, <laughs> you know I I don't think it even I mean probably swallowed up by Colorado. Um, it's just such a massive place. Well, after after this chat, I'm going to go and Google the land area of New Zealand to see how many states we we would take to fill you. <laughs> yeah, probably not I'll many. I'll let you know. <laughs> hey, so I mean, thinking about the, you know, talking about your your uh, your FKT, you know, it's 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 a solo endeavor, but it's you're surrounded by a band of people the whole time. Um, you had Courtney DeWalter out there with a the pacer. Um, and yeah, one of the things that was really entertaining is she'd packed um, a couple of slices of pizzas and some, uh, <laughs> and some French fries. <laughs> Just the, no surprise. The there. Is, that, is that like the visual of ultra running in a nutshell right there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, but, and with you and Courtney DeWalter as well. I mean, what a remarkable, you know, what a couple of remarkable athletes just, yeah, just uh, <laughs> up very high eating pizza and French fries. <laughs> I mean, the end, like that's the story there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, were you able to eat? Were you able to eat 
I mean, there seems to be that myth, isn't it? There's always pizza and French fries somewhere, and it's <laughs> remarkable. You see people going, "Yeah, I'm going to have pizza and French fries," and then I, I certainly I know when I've been confronted by either pizza or French fries <laughs> late in a race, I'm like, "Oh, not so much, thank you." But <laughs> early, early in my Nolan's effort, I was gobsmacked about any kind of food you offered me. I would eat it, but then later on. Um, yeah, my stomach got a little tight. No, not a little. That's wrong. My stomach got really tied up and it was difficult to get anything but liquid calories in. My favorite food, aside from liquids, at the end of Nolan's was watermelon, which is like, mm. I don't know, that's kind of at the boundary of um, solid and liquid. Mm. And um, sour gummy worms, which is like, I would never choose that in a candy store as my candy, but for some reason they just went down perfectly. So yeah, ultra running is so weird. You just need the body's know. wise, isn't it? It's 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 really really wise, and and it's it's probably to the how many crews have been confounded when they've laid out everything that the, the you know <laughs> your option A through G, and then you're like I want option Z or whatever. Oh, how how good was it to get the record? It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to describe how I felt, but like super thrilled. Um, it has been a process for me personally and for, I think, women as a group to move that the time down on Nolan's through the years. Um, yeah. I mean, I watched Anna Frost and Missy Gosney successfully finish in 2015 and it was through watching them that I started believing, okay, I could finish it too. Um, and then I, you know, trained really hard, got a, got a finish under the, you know, the ethereal 60 hour mark, which everybody tries to finish Nolan's under in 2016. I fin when, once I finished it, I realized, I think, I think I, and I think women can do even better than that. And so I wanted to see what I could do and see what I could do for women. And so I went back again in 2017 and I failed at that attempt. Um, 2018, I trained for it um, pretty hard, was in pretty good shape and did a severe ankle sprain in August, which took off any summer big adventures from the table. Um, and then here we are in 2020, and this year as sort of spring progressed and summer started and all the races were canceled, it became clear that there were going to be a lot of women out on Nolan's. You know, there were probably three times as many of us this year as there have been in past years. And so it became clear that this was going to be quite the summer for women on Nolan's, and man, I wanted to be a part of it for sure. <laughs> One of the most wonderful things about the FKT and I think about I think about women specifically I also think about you know Damien Hall's Pennine Way I think about Scott Durek and Carl Meltzer it's, it's the sense that if you get an FKT no one's like yes it's mine I've got it no one's ever going to take it off me it's almost like this as soon as it's set people are like well now I'm I'm the custodian of this or I'm the placeholder and I would anticipate that it will get taken off me and and there's a real there's a real beauty to that, I think. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's almost the anti. Like I've got the record, no one's going to get it. I wonder, is that because of the nature of the FKT? 
Well, I think, you know, like say you win a race, you know that you get to be the winner of that race until next year, unless it's like a crazy circumstance, like there's a pandemic and everything's canceled. Like, (laughs) you you know, you get, you know, you get that for a a period of time. There isn't going to be a race next week where there's a new winner. Mm. And the, I think, yeah, like entering into the FKT dialogue, you, uh, you have to sort of reckon with the idea that uh, this is a very fluid thing. You know, there's mm. somebody else might attempt and have success this very same day or the, you know, the next day or the next week. And uh, here in North America with so many people FKTing this year, I just made that a verb. That's really <laughs> weird. Let's um, go with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, yeah, I mean, that's we've seen that repeated over and over where somebody, you know, kind of pours themselves into an FKT, a hundred mile attempt, and then somebody else betters that time, you know, the very same week or the very next week. I think that's it's a really unique thing. Um, but I think when you decide to, you know, enter into this experience, that's definitely one of the things that you're mm-hmm. thinking about, that it's quite fluid. And and to take things in sort of a, a more linear trajectory which had to have happened at one point during this <laughs> conversation how do you how did you train for nolans i mean what what goes into preparation for taking on something like nolans a, a lot of volume in the mountains <laughs> right um yeah i i mean i'm very lucky i live uh brian and I, Brian, my husband, and I live half the year in Moab, Utah, and half the year in Silverton, Colorado, which wow. is the home of the Hard Rock 100, which most people listening to this will know is a kind of a, a challenging high-altitude 100-mile race. So I'm very lucky that I have the perfect Nolan's train right outside my right outside my door to train on. So all I had to do was wait for the snow to melt to, you know, practice and train quite specifically for Nolans. I I basically built my training around, like some people build their training around hours or miles or kilometers. I built mine around vertical because uh, the Nolans 14 route, it varies a little bit based upon where, where people choose to travel as they touch the mountain peaks. But my route was about 95 miles and 44 and a half thousand feet of climbing. And so that's, wow. it's extremely, ver- it's ex- extremely vertical. And so I knew focusing on, uh, like organizing my training by vertical was probably going to be the best way to make sure I was, I was prepared. And I mean, you're high up anyway. Um, is, uh, I mean, was there a, uh, you know, and, and for comparison, Eugene and I think uh, we live at about seven meters above sea level. In fact, we can don't, both look don't our, Skype, our Matt. It's only six. Right? You're exaggerating, Matt. It's only six. I'm seven. Eugene's six. But you know, that's where, that's where we are, right? Like, we'd be gasping in your at your kitchen table having a coffee. I'm sure. Um, is, was altitude an issue for you? I think altitude is an issue for everybody on Nolans, regardless of where they live. The average, okay, so the average altitude of the Hard Rock 100 is 11,000 feet. Wow. And the average altitude of Nolans is 12,000 feet. <laughs> um, wow. 
the lowest point on the Nolans course is a couple hundred feet lower than uh, where I live in Silverton. So even though I live at altitude, the Nolans course goes way up in comparison. Mm. And 14,000 feet, what does that translate to in meters? Do we need 4, to 4,000 meters. <laughs> so it's, it's approximately um, 3,993 <laughs> meters higher than we <laughs> where we live it's it's no joke there it's uh yeah. it's i mean that's serious altitude that's the kind of altitude that people get real altitude sickness from and need to you know evacuate and go lower and i mean i think no matter where you live altitude is yeah is a challenge for nolans yeah and the other, i mean the other thing is the weather i mean i've heard and read some really hairy stories about people up either taking Nolan's attempts or spending time in the mountains there. What's the hairiest experience you've had? <laughs> um, if I could transport you with me to my 2017 Nolan's attempt uh, on Mount Harvard, which is in the middle of the Nolan's line with uh, ultra runner and friend Nick Petatella. He's a fellow Coloradan and he's finished Nolan's twice. Is that right? Um, he's finished Nolan's and we, uh, we started our attempt within about an hour of each other and got into a storm in the first nighttime and sort of, uh, banded together to travel. Cause it was, uh, the weather conditions, like you really needed mountaineering gear rather, <sighs> rather than like warm trail running gear. Wow. We encountered you know, four inches of new snow on, you know, boulders up at 14,000 feet, the kind of wind that you have to hold on to everything with all four appendages, or it could knock you over. It was, it was really not, I wouldn't call it safe for us to have been up there in the night. Um, mm. Certainly alone. I made it tolerable being together and it, yeah, 14,000 feet in Colorado at this latitude is high enough that you can really get into it with the weather. Mm. And you've got to be careful with that. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the thunder and lightning too. Can, and, and it can just come from anywhere <laughs> at any time, can't it, by the sounds of it? <laughs> it's true. I mean, typically you have a good warning. You see the dark clouds starting to form and you know like the sort of the Western North America um, saying is to – always be off the summit by noontime. Uh -huh. But that's not always the case. I've been chased off of mountains at 9 a.m. and 7.30 a.m. And wow. sometimes I've made it to summits at 4.30 p.m. before the storms come. So the adage doesn't always quite fit. Yeah, I mean, usually you have a bit of warning. The sky is getting dark and is sort of, you know, like giving you the message of it's time to turn around. But yeah, I mean, you spend enough time up there and you will find yourself a bit exposed in a storm and you learn a lesson of let's not ever do that again. <laughs> mm, wow. I mean, Matt and I, we've been up to like 200 meters in the Riverhead Forest and there's like a shower come in. So we can, we can hear where you're coming from. It's you know, wild like, on that ridge. Like, yeah, like one time we had to pull our jacket out. It was just, whew, so, you know, okay. we hear you. So I, your storms coming off of the ocean there can yeah, be that's brutal. Yeah, true. that's true. Yeah, that's um, different. Yeah, yeah, it is true. I mean, but that's the thing, and I'm sure that there's some some people in the South Island, bottom of the South Island, sneering at us now, um, because you know. It, it does, Shout it, out to it, Terry it Davis. Yeah, yeah, it does get alpine down there, but I it mean, does, yeah. it is. It's just again, it, I guess it's that conceptualization, isn't it? It's mm. hard to think about living at 
you know, or or Ben doing anything at four thousand meters above sea level. It's just uh, remarkable, intense. But, yeah, but I mean to to uh, mash the metaphor of the dark clouds. Just getting back to twenty twenty, <laughs> what does it look like as far as the race scene goes in North America? Like I don't know. Are we even talking? next year like it, it, this year must just be a write-off surely yeah i think um i think 2020 is a is a write-off there are there are races happening there are places where uh you know various administrators public lands public health have come together and, and said okay this area or this setup is safe to have a a race of a limited size and so we north america is seeing some racing but mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think some has to go in air quotes. It's just almost sure. everything has been mm. canceled. I do feel like ev- almost every race is putting itself on the calendar for 2021. I, I don't know that we've seen any outright cancellations or postponements, even for the races earliest in 2021. And I think that's just sort of a marker of this is the first time in most of our for most of us experiencing a pandemic, we don't really know what tomorrow, let alone yeah. January, is going to look like. And mm. I, it's it's really hard for me to predict what the scene is going to be like next year. Yeah, Will we have international racing? Will we have nationally competitive events? Will we be able to have races of of normal size? I, I yeah, I'm not, mm. I, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I have, sorry. No idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I heard you and Brian on uh, with Jason Coop on his podcast and and it, it, and you were talking about predict, you were all talking about predicting races and it did sound a little bit like stand at a dartboard and throw something at the wall. It just, who knows, <laughs> right? Yeah. And and just what it and I guess just what it looks like. I mean, I, you know, Ruth Croft did uh, Sears and Al recently and just the change and, you know, you see that everyone's kind of at the starts distanced and they had masks on and just how strange and just strange it, it, it gets into. And then you've got the, the whole thing. I mean, I don't wish to get into the kind of the politicization of face coverings or anything like that, but just the, the degree of difference that people or adaption that people are going to have to make. Um, and that I guess that's pending, you know, uh, no available vaccine or if, if you know even if there is a vaccine just what it's going to look like for the future is is unknown right yeah i mean there's i in my opinion there's really cool things that uh race organizers are doing right now to try to make racing safe i mean i think an outdoor race on a trail not a huge group of people is we're kind of like inherently getting into maybe one of the safest mm. types of setups, but there are, I mean, we do interact pretty intimately in a number of ways when we're at races like that finish line hug, we all do it. We mm. hug 100 people, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all of our inhibitions are gone and we're, you know, I spent five hours on the trail with you. We're BFFs. We're going yeah, to hug. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think, <laughs> um, yeah. I think, there's some cool experimentation going on in terms of like how to keep aid stations sanitary. And yeah, as you talked about face coverings at starts and finishes, um, you know, like staggered starts and people spread out. Um, and yeah, even things like, you know, CRZ now where Ruth was, they had a very small elite race and then Mm. they're having like another event where, 
over the course of a month, you can come and time yourself. I think that's how it's working. Mm. Ah. And there's a couple, couple other races doing that too. So it's like, you can kind of race your personal clock and then compare, you know, to a hundred other people who are, you know, running that same route at different times. Mm. Um, yeah, just really unique experiments happening, but you're so right that, uh, I think the, all of the things that we're used to about trail running and ultra running are going to be different for a long time. And it, yeah. it, it it's not going to be easy even when we're racing again. Yeah. What about in terms are you guys hearing anything in terms of the impact it's having on race directors? I mean, this has been financially tough for them as well. And do you hear anything about races that aren't going to survive? Um, I, I think it's, um, I think there are races that are going to go away. I mean, I've seen, I've seen, you know, some small brands folding. We've seen some races saying that last year was the last year, you know, that like people who were maybe close to retiring their race anyway, and maybe Mm. this was the last straw. I mean, I think uh, the virtual race thing sort of helped bridge the, the temp, you know, the, the financial gap and the temporal gap for some race directors who went down that avenue. We see other race directors trying to be like, use a lot of ingenuity to um, sell product and yeah. sell uh, not race experiences, but other virtual experiences like um, movie nights and uh, contests with like gear design and just fun different ways of keeping their small community going so that when it when we can race again we're we're intact so yeah yeah, it's i mean i think it's inevitable the you know sort of the rise and fall of a niche sport like ours Mm -hmm. um and we were we were definitely on like you know max almost max trajectory of um you know increase in popularity increase in number of races diversifying of everything and I think you would naturally see like a a slight contraction or compaction after such a growth event. But I think Mm. probably the pandemic is going to, is going to assist that in a Mm. few ways. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, that's very, very well put. And I, I just thinking there's that thing, isn't it? Like commercial, I was just thinking about gear designers and companies. Like you can bet that there's some designers working on some freakish prototypes for, for athletic <laughs> athletic PPE, you know, we're gonna all look like we're in the movie. We're gonna look like Dune. You know? <laughs> Tubes gone into the buff, into the mount. I don't know. Anyway, look. I mean, the last. I, I we always. I mean, we we're a New Zealand podcast. We're going to ask about New Zealand. I mean, did you guys had any plans to get back down here to Aotearoa? Um, did we? Ha- I don't think we had plans to come to Tarawira. This year, um, I think the last time we covered Tarawira was, um, I should have looked this up before we talked. 2016, wasn't it? Uh, I think 2017 may have been the last year. Um, anyway, we did, did not have plans, but my goodness, I love (laughs) your part of the world and please, I'd like to come back as soon as I can. <laughs> I'd love to have you back. And, and like, like, definitely. And I mean, God, this was, a, you know, I, we're fan, you know, we're fans. I, I mean, last time 
I, I had Brian sign my copy of like uh, Relentless Ford Progress. That's how much of a fan Aww. I am. Yeah, I know. It was my, like my first ever like true running, ultra running nerd moment. And I, it's probably, I, I've never ascended <laughs> that peak yet, like chasing him down at the hotel. But, you know, we'll get there maybe. Um, Amazing. <laughs> look, Megan, you've been so generous with your time with us. We thank you so much for um, – for, for for making this happen and, 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 and coming through. We ask one question of every person who's come on Dirt Church Radio, and that is, hey, Megan Hicks, what's been your greatest run ever? Oh. Doesn't have to be a race. I, sh- I shouldn't have, I should have planned well for this, huh? Um, the Uinta Mountains in Utah are an exquisite mountain range. They are pink like many of the mountains are almost a coral pink color and um yeah there have been I don't know that I could pin down one run but I've gone to this mountain range a couple of times and run at sunset when the sky lights these coral pink colored mountains with the most beautiful red orange all of the colors on that spectrum just it brings rocks alive like the combination of sun and rock um i can i can feel it inside of me like the i can like conjure up the feeling of what that that felt like being there right now talking to you and yeah that that sort of thing to me the where nature just kind of comes alive and comes inside of you that's what that's what keeps me running. And wow. yeah, those are those are great memories to me. Megan Hicks, you win. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was incredible. Well, the only the only bad thing about talking to you is I want to jump on a plane tomorrow and come yeah. to your mountains. I was then, I was thinking about that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Please, that, but that's a remarkable you guys in Silverton flailing around in like scuba gear. <laughs> <laughs> scuba gear. Oxygen tanks. Um well, just give me as much advance notice as possible so I can have my cameras ready. This will be fabulous. Okay, done. Um, look, Megan, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. And, you know, all the best to you and your whānau. And um, we hope for whatever and however that things, you know, get back on track real soon. And likewise to you, this was a huge honor. Oh. I've listened to your podcast getting an email from you and doing this is a highlight of the week so thank you thank you so much what a conversation yeah yeah absolutely that greatest run ever was amazing like I could actually when she was talking about the coral rock I sort of could like I was picturing it and I felt infused and infused it was really nice. I did. I mean, I, as I said, I really wanted to jump on a plane and go there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, when I said that the dog's Australian, I really want to clarify that I wasn't being derisive. I think uh, all the best qualities. Yes. I I getting at. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't a negative thing. And I can't believe you left it in. Absolutely. Desperate. That, was, <laughs> that was not going out, especially with Megan's reaction. Look, let's draw a line of decency under this <laughs> and uh, land this plane. So thank you very much for tuning in. We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio and you can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. You can find us on all the different platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, 
some that you've never heard of, yeah. you can download direct from the website, dirtchurchradio.com. And also, if we're not what you want us, let us know. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us. Also, if you like what you see, please spread the love. It would be great as many people heard the show as possible. For that, we need your help. Don't forget to write in with your greatest run ever. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks to our sponsor, Scott Running, for the faster spring energy and Cielli. And thank you to our Patreon patrons and Wild Things. Thanks to our editors, Kieran. We've got another really great guest lined up for you next week. So tune in then. Kakite. Kakite. Thanks, Rigby. <laughs>